the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. So, uh, Obama, first two terms, now being visited on Obama, third term, with respect to border policy and the DACA program and what, if anything, Congress is going to do. For a conversation on this and all matters geopolitical, please be joined again by KT McFarlane, former First Deputy National Security Advisor to President Trump and author of Revolution, Trump, Washington, and We the People. KT, thanks for being with us again. Appreciate it. It's great to be with both of you. Thank you. Um, So, uh, you know, some of these things, it's sort of like talking about uh, violent crime in big cities. I don't know that the issue is so complicated. It's just trying to, I guess, communicate to the uh, American public that you just have people. I know this is hard to understand, but you have people that are willing to allow for the chaos at the border or the chaos in big city America for political reasons. Yeah, I think um, Governor DeSantis of Florida said it best. He said that it just has a lot of political motivation in what they're doing. I mean, they've opened the border, the southern border with Mexico. They've opened the border, and people are just walking in. And then they're immediately being asked, where do you want to go? And they're given a bus ticket or even put on a plane, and then they're sent all around the country to where they choose to go. A lot of them are are now choosing to go, interestingly, to Florida. Um, But, you know, they're coming in. Who knows what they're bringing in with them. If if the human smugglers, the coyotes, can bring in people for a certain amount per head, they can also bring in fentanyl. They can also bring in other potential weapons, and they're certainly able to bring in disease with them. So I think it's a humanitarian crisis at the border. Anybody who's seen the pictures is, is just horrified at the coyotes who are the human smugglers just throwing toddlers off walls if their parents don't pay the fee. And we're horrified at the potential medical issue and you know, public health issue. And then there's a, the humanitarian. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-702-5400. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in, anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-702-5400. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-702-5400. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. ...an issue as well as the economic issue. I mean, these people are coming across the border for economic opportunity. They're being given checks. They're being housed. They're being given every, you know, everything they would like to have in a modern society. And yet it's not clear that the United States, which is already trillions of dollars in debt, 
can really afford this. And then I would contrast it with the attitude towards the Cubans. You know, the Cuban, the Biden administration has said, if you, if you Cuban demonstrators, if you pro-democracy demonstrators get on boats and try to come to Florida, we're going to have the U.S. Coast Guard turn you away yep. and get the political prisoner, the people who are fleeing Cuba, are not doing it for economic grounds. These are, these are people who are fearing political repression, you know, getting beaten, getting thrown in jail, getting probably potentially even, you know, killed. But the and Biden so administration, yeah. definition is political refugees. That's who we let in. Yeah, and the, and sorry it. for interrupting you, KT. But I mean, in the Biden administration, saying those Americans who want to go and help the Cubans and take their own boats because they're supposed to launch off of Key West today, that they could face ten years in prison. Yeah, it's all political. It's it's a it, and why and, and Governor DeSantis didn't say it, but I'll say it. It's because the thought that these pro democracy demonstrators from Cuba are probably going to come to the United States work hard, but Republican. And the, and the Biden administration thinks that the Hispanics who are coming across the border or the Haitians or the Iranians, whoever's coming across the southern border, are somehow going to vote Democrat because they're going to be given all these benefits by the Biden administration. I think it, they're wrong on all counts, um, but particularly wrong with the policy towards Cuba. And we should. The other thing that I think is the bigger picture on the Cuba immigration issue is why are we not helping the Cuban people who are demonstrating against their communist government? I never thought I would live to see the day when the United States government is not is somehow supporting the communist government of Cuba and turning a cold shoulder to the pro-democracy, anti-communist demonstrators in the streets of Cuba. The majority of the Cuban people don't want a communist government. They want democracy, free markets, and they want to get rid of their dictatorship government and somehow the Biden administration is turning a blind eye to that. Uh, I do. We have this anomaly. Uh, I do love the, uh, the Biden administration sending a warning to Americans using their own boats to help people that are fleeing political repression. Uh, good thing Joe Biden wasn't at Dunkirk. Um, that could have turned out differently. Um, so it, it, with respect to Cuba, what, what's your assessment? We've seen um, these sorts of protests, uh, you know, several times over the years, over the years of the Castro and the legacy, Castro legacy of, of dictators have lorded over that country. Do you see this as as sustain as being sustained and really potentially toppling the, the regime there? Yeah, I think this one is different because this one, several things have changed. When President Obama opened U.S. relations with Cuba, I think the unintended consequences of the Cuban people, who had prior to that been in living in isolation, prior to that they didn't know how their relatives or the rest of the world was living, and the Cuban people that have seen now, this is how our relatives, our cousins who went to America, they're thriving, and we're not. We're in a, in a country that is keeping us poor, poorly educated, um, taking our pharmaceuticals, now we have no public health system, and yet we're a wealthy country, potentially a wealthy country. So I think that the Cuban people all of a sudden th- saw they had an option. And then secondly, the difference is at this time it was spontaneous demonstrations all around the country, amplified by social media, where somebody in one town said to their cousin in another town, we're going to the streets, we've had enough. And the third thing is that they were willing to do it at all ages, young, old, but they were willing to do it knowing that the Cuban secret police force would come out and beat them up and intimidate them and go back to their homes and destroy their homes. So 
the fact that you've got this large number of people who demand a better life, I think this is a pre-revolutionary situation only if the United States helps, not by sending in the Marines. All these people want is their, is their Internet turned back on. The Cuban right. government shut it down. All they want is their Internet turned back on. They'll take it from there. And yet the Biden administration, which would be the easiest thing to, to do, Dan, it, the easiest thing to do, we could put a couple of hot air balloons or some drones and we could reestablish the Internet in, in Cuba and then the Cuban people take it from there. But aren't they fighting, they too, for more vaccines and better health care? Yes, that is part of it, Amy, and that is probably the, the tipping point of it. But here's what happened in Cuba. The Cuban government, when they were offered the vaccine by the U.N., by the U.S., by China, by Russia, fellow communist countries, they turned it down. They said, no, no, we're, we're so smart. We're going to develop a Cuban vaccine, and we're going to be the savior of the world. Well, how do you think that turned out? Pretty badly. There is no Cuban vaccine that's been approved. And at the same time, the Cuban government took whatever medical supplies they were getting, and then they sold them to other countries in South and Central America, keeping the profits for the ruling class, the ruling communist elite in Cuba. So they, so the government has so mismanaged the health care issue for the Cuban people. And again, they're living like kings. But the Cuban people are starving. I'll look forward to Michael Moore's sequel to Sicko that, uh, you know, documents all of this. You know, um, another situation that is turning out very sadly is Hong Kong. And there was this good piece uh, over at Substack by a a Hong Kong and London-based writer named Archie Hall basically saying goodbye to Hong Kong. He notes that... um, uh, Hong, the, the the Hong Kongers diaspora now as they fled to the Britain, the Canada, to Canada, elsewhere. Recent polling found that 14 percent of would-be emigrants already say Hong Kong is too unsafe for them ever to return. One Hong Konger now living in, um, I think, Germany, she said to him he was, she was too concerned for her own safety to go back to Hong Kong, even to visit her dying mother, uh, saying Hong Kong was a place when I was young to receive refugees, and now we've become refugees. It's a very complicated feeling and difficult for the self-esteem of Hong Kong people. Um, you know, he hesitates a little bit in his piece, saying Hong Kong is you know, definitely gone without the prospect of returning to pre-communist China, Hong Kong. But he basically says, you know, that the chances are slim and virtually none. He's right. Hong Kong is finished as a as a country that has rule of law and freedom of speech and human rights. The Chinese government has taken them over in a very brutal way, and it's not going to go back. The question becomes, what happens to Taiwan? Is Taiwan next? Is Taiwan the next Hong Kong? You know, China got away with it in Hong Kong. When no, everyone assumed that would never happen. Why would they kill the goose that was laying the golden egg? The major support of, of financial investment and technology and intellectual property was coming through Hong Kong into China. Why would the Chinese do it? But they did it. And, and so then, then the question becomes, what will they do with Taiwan? They've said that Taiwan is part of China. They're going to invade Taiwan. They've even put out a three-part plan of how they're going to take um, uh, take over Taiwan. Uh, and this is the 100th anniversary of the founding of the Chinese Communist Party. They plan to own Taiwan. And, in fact, even yesterday, the Chinese president said to Japan, that if you try to interfere with us taking Taiwan, we're, the nuclear weapons are going to fly, and you will face a second 
nuclear annihilation and unconditional surrender. But, but and, and you said on Fox we should fight back by pulling out of the Beijing Olympics. I think what we should do is say that we're not going to the Beijing Olympics until the following conditions are made. You know, lay off Taiwan, stop hacking America. Uh, and, and there are so many things that we could do to pressure Hong Kong, I mean, to pressure China on all these abuses they're doing, particularly against Americans by the ransomware attacks and the cyber attacks that even Joe Biden came out yesterday and said, oh, we know the Chinese government is behind the most egregious cyber attacks on American industries. Well, okay, so what's the plan? Um, Joe Biden seems to think by issuing a strong statement the Chinese are going to be so intimidated that they're going to go back in their shell and they're going to stop hacking. They're not going to go after Taiwan. They're going to be really good guys. Well, those days are gone. You know, I think the Biden administration is living in some fairyland of the past. Maybe the day when the United States could dictate to other countries what they should and could do is long gone, especially for China. Maybe we could do some soft diplomacy like uh, LeBron James doing screenings of Space Jam 2 or something to repair relations between the two countries. I'm assuming that was sarcasm. Yeah, that's sarcasm. Um, <laughs> although you, you just you never know in these times. But so Hong Kong's importance, the fall of Hong Kong, because this just hasn't been very much remarked upon, and it is such a tragedy if you believe in free, you know, of free people living freely, and and also America's posture towards revanchism, where whether you see it in, with Putin in Crimea or you see it with the Chicoms in Hong Kong. What, what are we doing? Nothing. Issuing strong statements. And, and, and the problem with international relations is, is think of it like a shark tank. You know, if, if countries smell blood in the water, if your competitors smell blood in the water, they all zoom in to take their bite out of the, out of the fish. And we're the fish. And they all sense weakness. That Joe Biden, when he goes to Russia, I mean, goes to Geneva and puts down a red line when he says to Vladimir Putin, don't you dare... I have cyber attacks against industries 1 through 16. Well, that's an open invitation to go after industry 17 on up. There'll be no consequence. And when the Russians did the inevitable, which has started doing hack attacks, cyber attacks on number 1 through 16, you know, what was the plan? You don't issue red lines. You don't issue threats unless you plan to carry them out. But I think, again, the Biden administration is living in a golden past when they thought America was the richest country and the most powerful country in the world. And we could borrow money and nobody would care. They would happily lend it to us when we could tell countries just by shaming them in public, we want you to do this or else. And we'd never have to come up with the for it or else. The Chinese are laughing. I mean, the Chinese have every – and they, they're very open about it. They plan to replace the United States within the decade as the dominant world power, rewrite the rules of order in the world so that all the things that you just mentioned, Dan, you know, freedoms – freedom of speech, all the things that we think are basic human rights, they will no longer be basic human rights, not only in China, but around the world. She is KT McFarland, former first deputy national security advisor of President Trump, author of Revolution, Trump, Washington, and We the People. KT, thanks as always. Appreciate it. Thanks, Amy, and thanks, Dan.